Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 17 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead. Section 19. A man may be sanctified and yet be, but almost a Christian. Every kind of sanctification does not make a man a new creature. For many are sanctified who are never renewed. You read of those who count the blood of the covenant, wherewith they were sanctified, an unholy thing. Objection. But does not the scripture tell us that both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren? And can a man be one with Christ and yet be but almost a Christian? Answer. To this I answer. You must know there is a twofold work of sanctification spoken of in Scripture. One is common and ineffectual. The other is special and effectual. That work of sanctification, which is true and effectual, is the working of the Spirit of God in the soul, enabling it to the mortifying of all sin, to the obeying of every command, to walking with God in all well-pleasing. Now, whoever is thus sanctified is one with him that sanctifies. Christ will not be ashamed to call such brethren, for they are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. But then... There is a more common work of sanctification, which is ineffectual as to the two great works of dying to sin and living to God. This kind of sanctification may help to restrain sin, but not to mortify sin. It may lop off the boughs, but it does not lay the axe to the root of the trees. It sweeps and garnishes the room with common virtues, but does not adorn it with saving graces, so that a man is but almost a Christian. Notwithstanding this sanctification, or thus, there is an inward and outward sanctification. Inward sanctification is that which deals with the soul and its faculties, understanding, conscience, will, memory, and affections. Outward sanctification is that which deals with the life and conversation. Both these must concur to make a man Christian indeed. Therefore, the apostle puts them together in his prayer for the Thessalonians, The God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body 
be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. A man is then sanctified wholly when he is sanctified both inwardly and outwardly, both in heart and affections and in life and conversation. Outward sanctification is not enough without inward, nor inward without outward. We must have both clean hands and a pure heart. The heart must be pure that we may not incur blame from within, and the hands must be clean that we may not incur shame from without. We must have hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and bodies washed with pure water. We must cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Inward purity is the most excellent, but without the outward, it is not sufficient. The true Christian is made up of both. Now, many have clean hands, but unclean hearts. They wash the outside of the cup and platter when all is filthy within. Now, the former without the latter profits a man no more than it profited Pilate, who condemned Christ to wash his hands in the presence of the people. He washed his hands of the blood of Christ and yet had a hand in the death of Christ. The Egyptian temples were beautiful on the outside, but within you shall find nothing but serpents or crocodiles. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Judas was a saint without, but a sinner within, openly a disciple, but secretly a devil. Some pretend to inward sanctity without outward, this is the pretense of the open sinner. Though I sometimes drop an idle, foolish word, he says, or though I sometimes swear an oath, yet I think no hurt. I thank God my heart is as good as the best. Such are like the sinner Moses mentions, who blessed himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my own heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. Some pretend to outward sanctity without inward. Such are like the scribes and Pharisees, who outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Fair professors, but foul sinners. Inward sanctity without outward is impossible, for it will not reform the life. Outward sanctity without inward is unprofitable, for it will not reform the heart. A man is not a true Christian without both. The body does not make a man without the soul, nor the soul without the body. Both are essential to the being of man. So, the sanctification of both is essential to the beginning of the new man. True sanctification begins at the heart, but works out into the life and conversation, and yet, for lack of an inward 
a man is no better than an almost Christian. And so I shall end this long pursuit of the almost Christian in his progress heavenward with this one general conclusion. Section 20. A man may do all as to external duties and worship that a true Christian can, and when he has done all, be but almost a Christian. You must know that all the commands of God have an intra and an extra. There is the body and soul of the command. Accordingly, there is an internal and an external worship of God. Now, the internal acts of worshiping of God are to love God, to fear God, to delight in God, to trust in God, etc. The external acts of worshiping of God are by praying, teaching, hearing, etc. Now, there is a vast difference between these internal and external acts of worship. There is such a difference that they distinguish the altogether from the almost Christian, the sincere believer from the unsound professor. Indeed, in this very thing, the main difference between them lies. Number one, internal acts of worship are good. The goodness adheres intrinsically to the thing done. A man cannot love God, nor fear God, but it will be imputed to him as a gracious act and a great part of his holiness. But now, external acts of worship are not denominated good so much from the matter done, propter fieri, as from the manner of doing them. A man cannot sin in loving and delighting in God, but he may sin in praying and hearing, etc., for lack of a due manner. Number two, internal acts of worship put a goodness into external. It is our faith, our love, and our fear of God that makes our duties good. Number three, they better the heart and magnify the degrees of a man's holiness. External duties do not always do this. A man may pray, and yet his heart never be the holier. He may hear the word, and yet his heart never be the softer. But now, the more a man fears God, the wiser he is. The more a man loves God, the holier he is. Love is the perfection of holiness. We shall never be perfect in holiness until we come to be perfect in love. Number four, there is such an excellency in this internal worship that he who mixes it with his external duties is a true Christian when he does least. But without this mixture, he is but almost a Christian that does most. Internal acts of worship joined with outward, sanctify them and make them accepted of God, though they are few. 
external acts of worship without inward. Make them abhorred of God, though they are never so many. The almost Christian may do all those duties in hypocrisy, which a true Christian does in sincerity. Nay, in doing external duties, he may outdo the true Christian, like the comet makes a greater blaze than the true star. If Elijah fasts and mourns, Baal's priests will cut their flesh. Yet, the almost Christian cannot do those internal duties that the lowest true Christian can. The almost Christian can pray, but he cannot love God. He can teach or hear, but he cannot take delight in God. Mark Job's query concerning the hypocrite. Will he delight himself in the Almighty? Will he take pleasure in God? Ah, no, he will not. He cannot. Delight in God arises from a suitableness between the faculty and the object. Now, none is more unsuitable than God and a carnal heart. Delight arises from having what we desire and from enjoying what we have. How, then, can he delight in God, who neither enjoys nor has, nor truly desires God? Delight in God is one of the highest exercises of grace. Therefore, how can he delight in God, who has no grace? This concludes episode 17 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.